Hello and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Tools and Tips series. Hello and welcome to Codish. I am Charlie Gleason, a designer and developer at Heroku and Salesforce. And today we're um, joined by a number of people from our team. And we're going a little bit meta for this episode. Uh, we're doing a podcast episode about creating podcast episodes. So um, I'm joined by Jennifer Hooper, uh, who was the really uh, the inspiration um, and the driving force behind creating Codish and getting Codish out to the developer community. Um, David Routon, who is a, a developer on the marketing WebOps team. Uh, Satoshi Nagano, who joins us from Japan um, and looks after the Japanese uh, imprint of Codish, Codish JP. And Chris Castle, who is a developer advocate at Salesforce as well. Uh, so I guess one to kick things off, Jennifer, it'd be great to hear from you on kind of where the inspiration for this came about and what, and what inspired you to do it and, and uh, how that kind of, you know, process started. Absolutely. Um, first of all, I can't take all of the credit for it. Um, the idea of doing a podcast at Heroku um, has been one that I've thought about for quite a few years internally. I was with Heroku, um, left for about a year and a half. And when I came back, there actually were some episodes recorded and um, with the idea of creating a podcast. And because it was something I was very interested in doing, I just worked with Chris and others, um, many of the folks on the call today, and we just decided to make it happen. Yeah, I think it's um, it's definitely a cast of thousands. And I think as well, you know, trying to um, pull together speakers, pull together ideas for it. How did you kind of start documenting and, and going through that process? Well, first we had to, we had to come up with a name. Um, we knew that we wanted to do something that was resonant with our developer audience. And we thought of a lot of different names. We figured, well, you know what, it's going to be about code ish. So, um, you know, we wanted to talk about some other episodes. And so that's how the name was born. We decided that it, we really needed to have some structure um, around how we would manage and look at the different types of episodes. And um, so we came up with the notion of four categories. So we have dev life, which is really about people as humans and things that you're doing there. For example, we have an episode on meditation. Um, then we had tips and tools, which evolved from being only about technical tools um, to, you know, kind of the human types of tips and tools, whether it's about, you know, how to speak at conferences um, to how to do a, a coding interview. You know, we have a wide range of those types of episodes. Um, then we have things that are deeply technical. Um, not everything is deeply technical, but so that category is a little broad. Um, and then we had one about Heroku in the wild. And when we started this, we knew that we never wanted to have this be something that was an advertisement for Heroku or anything else. And so looking at these categories, we came up with a simple guide around what types of content we would allow. Um, it was everything. It was pretty simple. It was, we will never um, speak badly about things. We will never promote things. We just want this to be a podcast that we're doing for the benefit of the community. And that's really how this all started. Um, were there any other kind of gotchas around uh, starting the podcast? I mean, I know it, it is a lot of work, <laughs> you know, to kind of be producing podcast episodes. 
There's definitely a lot of work. When we first started um, doing this, we started doing this, you know, with two episodes a week. And while we were able to keep that up, I was getting feedback from people around the fact that, you know, maybe this is just too much content and people were feeling a little overwhelmed um, by Mm. what we were doing. I also was, you know, very reliant on some folks for doing episodes and having things scheduled. And so I didn't have a huge backlog. And a couple of times um, I had to scramble to get an episode out. David and Charlie, who are on this call, were kind enough to create one for me when I was in in desperate need um, pretty quickly. (laughs) So there were a few of those moments. Um, I remember that. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So that was definitely something that um, we had to take into account is like how much of a backlog you should actually have and to be able to run something comfortably like this. What kind of resources uh, did you need to pull together to be able to produce these? Um, Because obviously we don't have, we're not doing um, everything in-house. So how did that kind of process of finding the right people to help uh, happen? I think this is one of the things that um, I had to learn. I've never done anything with a podcast. And so coming up with a process that worked well um, was something that I kind of learned on the fly. Um, The first thing that we knew that we needed because we didn't have um, in-house was finding an audio producer. Um, So we have a great audio producer named George. We put out a call. um, I wrote up a job description and we thankfully found George, who's been doing a phenomenal job bringing all of these episodes um, to us. So we worked with him to set things up. Chris, who's on this call, should speak a little bit about some of the technical details um, in terms of equipment and everything else and finding the right ways to record all of our pieces. I also needed a writer um, to be able to write things for every episode. You know, doing that myself or having the podcast guests or hosts do that just wasn't sustainable. So I had a writer that I've been using. His name's Garen. So he's been doing a great job keeping all of these um, things going. We had to work on transcription. So I am using rev.com and they do a fantastic job. However, no transcript is perfect. Um, so I do have Garen go through and review each of the transcripts just to make sure that like technical terms and other things are accurate. So we've really created a smooth flow for how all of this goes through the production system of getting things ready. Uh, And then from the equipment side, um, Chris, it'd be great if you wanted to weigh in on some of the learnings we did there. Yeah, we actually had similar to Jennifer, I can't take all the credit here. There there was quite a bit of a podcast production interest or audio production interest um, within Heroku. And like Jennifer was saying, Right before Jennifer came back to us, we had an Heroku's annual all-company meeting um, in the summer in San Francisco, and um, a bunch of us had kind of ad hoc um, communicated prior to that that get together and wanted to try to record some podcasts. So uh, we did that, and a whole bunch of people showed up at this this meeting uh, in San Francisco. A whole bunch of Heroku people showed up, Herokai we call them, uh, showed up and had great recording equipment. So we had kind of this like interesting and, and great foundation, but we were all kind of amateurs figuring it out. And then Jennifer showed up and uh, helped make us make us official and make this real. And uh, so from then we, you know, I just looked at like all the, all the stuff other people had and our audio producer, George also uh, recommended certain microphones and audio, uh, an audio interface, like external audio interfaces. Uh, so you can record 
uh, a very smooth voice and high quality audio. So yeah, like Jennifer said, it was kind of just like a figuring it out on the fly task of um, reading lots of reviews, talking to lots of people who had audio production experience, and then just testing stuff out. Being a remote, mostly remote organization, testing stuff out meant making an order online and shipping it to someone who was going to host a podcast um, and seeing how it worked out for them. And so we kind of uh, finalized on a, a package of of equipment that seems to work for for most of the the hosts that we use to create the podcast. So that's kind of getting us to the point where we have an, an episode or an audio file of an episode and a bunch of content around it. I'd love to pivot towards how this was integrated into Heroku and our um, our primary website. David, I know you and the MWO team did a bunch of work around this from profiles and episode details to the RSS feed. I'd love to hear about that experience and, and if there's any kind of things that you found through that that, that were surprising or that might be worth digging in on. So um, we were lucky enough to already have a podcast and podcast episode uh, section in our admin. Uh, so we didn't have to start over, start from scratch. We did have to expand that functionality quite a bit because we weren't tracking everything that we needed to, especially for the RSS feed, which we discovered much later, like the length of the file in bytes, um, you know, the number in in the sequence of episodes uh, and other details like that. So we did quite a bit of work building out that functionality uh, in the back end, a lot of work as well, kind of building out a nice, pleasant looking piece on the front end too. And I know Charlie, you, you did quite a bit of work on that too, making it look as sharp and beautiful as it does today. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Uh, it, we, we definitely learned a lot doing this. One of the challenges, one of the first challenges we faced was how to keep track of all the different speakers, um, all the Heroku presenters that, you know, would kind of lead or host the episodes and then everyone else who would contribute. Uh, so after uh, a bit of deliberation, we decided to actually use the author section from our blog uh, CMS, and we keep track of all the, the profiles there, and then those are updated periodically to our www website where you can select who you want to attach to each episode. With the RSS feed, uh, I didn't do the majority of work, Raul, our engineering manager did, and I am very happy that I did not do most of the work of that. From what he has described to us, it was a challenge. So none of us, at least on the MWO team, had any experience with podcasts or podcast RSS feeds before. So we did quite a bit of tinkering. He said he started looking at some RSS feeds from other popular podcasts. Uh, he mentioned Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan's podcasts to kind of get like a baseline and then looked at Apple's docs and Google's docs um, to ensure that we're including all the different kind of fields that you need to. Um, unfortunately, sometimes the same, say like the description or title many times over. And he finished that off by submitting that feed using our, our dummy data and then potentially some real data too to several different online validators. Um, and he would just continue tweaking the feeds, making sure we had everything required until all of them gave us the green light. 
And then I guess the other technical side of this that's quite interesting is that um, we have kind of almost a mirror of our site in Japan. And so because of that, um, we wanted to also extend the podcast to Japan, Kodish JP. Um, Satoshi, how was that experience of getting um, the podcast up on the Japanese side? Well, Every day is a learning experience. I'm still a student of a podcast, student of even Heroku, I guess, uh, in that <laughs> sense. So, you know, like when we, when I started the, uh, this Codish JP, I didn't have any experience at all. Actually, that George gave me some, you know, one hour lecture via uh, Google Hangout, uh, you know, the, the t- teaching me how to do the post-production by Adobe Audition. I didn't know how to do any kind of recording experiences before. So mm. I didn't know what the condenser mic was. And then uh, somehow I bought, uh, you know, with the help of uh, a gentleman that previously worked in uh, Heroku, uh, helped me buying the audio mixer and the condenser microphone and I set it up and it never worked. So I actually, you know, we bought uh, like a bunch of equipment and I never actually used <laughs> because three <laughs> three failure was enough for me to, you know, record a podca- podcast with a guest. So that was really a mess uh, in the first time. And then like you, uh, I kind of figured it out, you know, which works and which was done. And uh, just uh, choosing the, uh, you know, whatever that it works and then uh, making it just repeatedly and it keeps it getting better and better. Um, well, I suppose that actually takes us to, to another thing that I was keen to talk about, which is the things that we learned or things that we would have done differently if we um, had the opportunity again. If we were like starting with a blank piece of paper, doing this whole process again, what would we um, do differently? Um, and I think one of the things that tripped us up a little bit uh, at the start was the name, Jennifer. Yes, it never even crossed our minds that we should be very careful about how we named it. So, you know, we were looking at the name of Kodish. I spoke about that earlier, how we came up with it. But we wanted to use the square brackets. It was really, you know, kind of a homage to code. However, when you syndicate your podcast to platforms that people um, will listen to, we didn't expect that there would be issues with people actually finding it. So you, um, when someone searches for the word Kodish um, without the brackets, on most platforms, you won't find Kodish because you have to put those square brackets in. And in some cases, that even causes issues with, you know, the URLs are generated or how you can set up your actual podcast. And so that was definitely a learning and something that never crossed our minds, um, at least not mine. Um, Chris, I don't know if, if you ever had any thoughts there, but... Uh, that was definitely a surprise. <laughs> I feel like I should have thought of that now, but it doesn't. I mean, it's like a, <laughs> there's a funny, like a like an internet comic. I think named like Little Bobby Tables or Little Little Bobby Drop Tables or something like that. Um, yeah. Where like yes, you know, certain systems out there. This has to integrate with like ten different podcast platforms, listening platforms out there, whatever it is. And some don't like special characters. I suppose one of the things that you also pointed out, Chris, was our process of recording is, is super remote. Um, it's pretty rare. I think uh, I've done one podcast um, in the same room um, with another heroic guy uh, when I was in SF, but usually um, we tend to record them remotely. So we use um, Zencaster a lot of the time for our recording process, and then um, George will take that and put it all together. But 
you know, there were actually a ton of gotchas around those toolings, like uh, system resources, audio rates, um, whether or not people have the right mic set up, the room they're in. Um, so we put together some pretty detailed guidelines that we send out before we do a show with someone, um, which kind of walks them through just some things that can kind of make that experience smoother. And we iterated on that too, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. Yeah, um, and we found that things we thought would, would go smoothly did not go smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> I actually created that, uh, you know, Japanese version of the, how to do the code, uh, code is JP too. Oh, no way. Yeah, I never, you know, that, uh, distributed that because you you guys cannot read it, but uh, <laughs> it's in Japanese. <laughs> um, one aspect, actually, that I'd love to bring up because I think it's an important part of it: the design process that we went through. Um, one thing that we wanted to do was for Kodish uh, to stand on its own with its own iconography logo um, and like a little bit of a brand feel, definitely inspired by the Heroku brand, but having its own kind of. Um, its own kind of flavor. And then that developed into uh, heroku.com slash podcasts and became almost this new hub for us to not only celebrate um, and release Codish, but to also celebrate other podcasts uh, featuring um, members of the team. So we went through quite a few design cycles. We looked at different ways of treating the Codish logo. We looked at different ways of treating the website. And it was a really interesting process to kind of create this like micro brand. But yeah, and then that design kind of, um, we used that across a bunch of different mediums. So um, everything from social uh, media through to email. I know, Jennifer, that was a big part of your strategy for this was having um, kind of tying these different episode categories or themes um, into different kind of slightly different visual treatments um, across email and social, um, which was an interesting process as well to kind of try and make it clear that these things existed together, but they had their own sort of identities. Yeah, definitely. When we came up with the categories, um, you know, I spoke earlier about the fact that when we first started this, I was doing two a week. And initially, I had the idea that I would put the technical episodes on Tuesdays. And, you know, so that would be, you know, either the deeply technical or the Heroku in the wild um, type episodes. And that I would put the um, tools and tips or the um, Dev Life episodes on Thursdays. That worked for the most part. There were times when we didn't have uh, the right episode for the right day. Also, sometimes there were things about specific dates that we wanted to put something out. You know, for example, we had one episode that was related to one of our product launches. You know, that became a little bit of a challenge. And ultimately, when I started asking people about what they thought about this, nobody even had caught on to the fact that I had was theming things. So I think it was something that I thought made sense, but nobody else really even um, caught on to. So I realized that that was overcomplicating um, things there. Uh, the other thing you mentioned is um, emails. And one of the things we decided like right before launch, so it was yet another thing I threw on to David and team, uh, as well as Charlie for design was, you know, having the ability for people to subscribe and find out what episode was next. So we created a, um, a simple mailing list that people can subscribe to. And um, we just create a, a little email that goes out with every episode, just letting people know that a new episode is there. And if it's of interest to them, you know, they're able to easily click on that and, and listen. So that's definitely been, you know, again, a lot of these things were, oh, yeah, what about that? Oh, yeah, shouldn't we do that? And so it's listening to lots of questions and ideas and then filtering through those and trying to come up with the ones that, you know, we think actually made a lot of sense. 
Yeah, one of the things that I found incredibly helpful was the idea of trying to um, find guests that make sense um, f- to be paired up uh, with different hosts because we do have a, a range of people hosting um, Kurdish podcasts. I would expand on that a little bit too to say from the beginning, um, Kurdish was meant to be a podcast from Heroku, not a podcast from you know, a certain person. So Chris and our dev advocates play a really strong role and they do a lot of the recordings as Charlie, you do too, because you really like it. Um, but <laughs> for me, the one of the big learnings, which is, you know, kind of obvious, I think in when you think about it is it really works best when you have a host that is interested in the guest subject. So either, you know, someone who doesn't know about it, but wants to learn more or someone who's passionate about a subject and getting the right mm. host and the right guest really makes a huge difference. And so that's a big part of what I do. I feel like a matchmaker sometimes like, Oh, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a great idea. And, um, you know, I'll often go to Chris and say, Hey, Chris, what about this one? And, you know, he'll tell me yes. Um, sometimes he tells me no, um, but then I'll go around and look for others to, um, you know, be the right host um, in terms of, um, you know, really getting that right mix because I think that just really makes the episode so much more interesting. And I think it's all about trying to create a successful podcast. Uh, did you have a definition in mind, Jennifer, of what success looked like and, and how you would measure that? You know, that was definitely one of the learning areas. Um, I went into this just assuming we'd get metrics from, you know, every platform that um, Kodish was syndicated to, quickly found out that not only was that not true, but even the metrics that we got across the different sites were very inconsistent, um, both in terms of how they defined certain activities or other things. Uh, one of the things that, you know, doing a lot of research into this, as Chris has mentioned earlier, that's a lot of what we do is come up with a question and then research and figure out how what we can learn from what other people have done in the past. You know, one of the ways that we could have measured this a little bit more explicitly is putting in, um, you know, tagging with some of our feeds. And that really isn't the purpose of this. It is important to us that we are delivering a quality product. We look at a lot of things around engagement, around, you know, how people are subscribing. Are people listening to certain episodes? Are they not listening to others? You know, for me, the biggest thing is um, having a podcast that is resonating with our audience and that we're providing the type of content that is of interest to users. Um, as I mentioned, this is really a community thing. Chris, you can probably speak to the community side a little bit more um, about you know what this means for you from a developer advocate perspective. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it's been fun for me. Um, I get to speak to all sorts of interesting people in the technology world in the, in our community, um, not just Heroku fans and and users, but lots of other people in the in the technology industry. So it's cool for me to like have an excuse to say, hey, let's uh, let's chat for for an hour, and um, we're going to record it and then put it on the internet. I've had conversations with. For sure, some customers um, like Ryan Townsend from Shift Commerce, um, but Charlie and I also did kind of like a fun coding side project uh, podcast recording about this little like Christmas present Bluetooth IoT button I made for my nephew, two-year-old nephew, like all sorts of interesting things. Like I got to learn about Rust. I I, uh, invited the people who wrote the Rust book, which is kind of like the canonical learning resource for the Rust programming language. And they were excited. They were like, oh, this is cool. I'll chat with you about Rust. Chris gets to learn about Rust and they get to talk about the book that they that they created. Mm-hmm. So it's like beneficial to all, including the the listeners who get to 
um, learn a little bit about Rust directly from the people who are kind of seen as like the main Rust educators in the community. Yeah, it's super, super beneficial to me personally. Um, and I'm, it's, I'm, it's been fun that I can like um, make it beneficial to, to everyone um, and bring in kind of different voices from all over the technology community. And how about um, Codis JP, uh, Satoshi? Did you have different um, sets of goals in terms of what success looked like? Um, or was it similar to Jennifer's imprint? Actually, the, the, the success is more personal. I don't know about anything that, you know, Heroku business as a whole to be a, you know, Codis JP is a part of it. It is more about learning about our customers, partners, and then like some of the Heroku fans, developers, uh, and then like uh, this Kodesh JP is really a, a, a way to liaison and then they like, just make sure that, you know, like I, I can talk to them and then they like, uh, uh, listen to whatever, whatever they say. And then it is really quite experience for me because I found out more about the new things. And then I never have ever, you know, thought of that, uh, their opinion or their, uh, their thoughts if, uh, if I didn't do any podcast at all. So, it is really a successful for me first, and then uh, I, I I hope that uh, you know every listeners the, the tuning into the Cottage JP is finding out more about Heroku too. For instance, like I had uh, one podcast with Matt and uh, Nakada-san, who are uh, one of the first uh, uh, employee of a Japanese employee of Heroku. I spoke to Matt probably three or four years ago once. And then I never spoken to him, but I, I just emailed him and then saying, why don't you just uh, join our podcast? And then he, he said, yes. And then we learned a lot about, the, you know, how the Ruby came out and the, how he joined Heroku mm-hmm. and then Salesforce. And uh, I, I would have never uh, heard any kind of story if I didn't do uh, any podcast. So mm. it was really successful for me. And then hopefully that it was a, a success for the listeners as well. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think even for me, I, I echo both of your sentiments there that I just have really enjoyed uh, personally just connecting with people on topics that, like Jennifer said, that, that I feel passionate about or that I want to learn about. And I think as a host, if you know, I don't think there's ever been a better time to uh, try remote podcasting if you if you feel uh, so inclined, if that's something that you're interested in. And there's so many tools available now like Zencaster and there's distribution through tools like Simplecast. That all kind of lowers this barrier to entry. So I think if people, you know, if, you, if you've thought maybe I'll make one, Hopefully some of this, some of this has, has either given you some inspiration to give it a shot or some, some questions to dig deeper in on. Um, I mean, we're always happy to talk about it. So you can um, reach out to any of us through the, uh, through the show notes, through the uh, episode page um, on heroku.com. But do we have any, did, I mean, I think one good thing would be to let everyone kind of give uh, another, their last piece of feedback, potentially something that they, you know, would like to kind of close out this meta deep dive into podcasts about podcasts. <laughs> you know, the thing that I really take away is, you know, you need to be true to what your vision and voice is for the podcast so that you're delivering things to the audience that, you know, they will enjoy. So it's looking for those opportunities. We've had, you know, I work a lot with um, many of our customers and 
you know, we don't always have our customers talking about Heroku. That's not the point. The point, you know, we've had one of my favorite episodes was a customer talking about his passion for technology and art. So getting to find someone who's mm-hmm. interested in in something, whether it's a hobby or having one of our senior engineers talk about um, meditation. And, you know, those are just the, the mm-hmm. best type of episodes because you're having someone talk about something that they're passionate about. And the biggest advice I could do is say is just, you know, know where you're going, but always try to learn and improve. I'm doing that all the time and hopefully mm. it's getting better. And um, I am very open for feedback. So if people do have any suggestions or things they want to hear on Codish or they'd like to see improve, please do contact us. But um, Chris, what about your thoughts? Well, for me, I don't know. It's it's been a really cool um, like w- way to do my job, right? As a my title is developer advocate, um, and as a developer advocate, I want to advocate for others, help them in some way. And so it's been a really cool way to take certain people in the community and give them like a give them a megaphone or give them a way to like share some mm-hmm. knowledge out with others, um, which you know potentially helps build their career. Um, and then for our listeners, for the the developers or other folks that are listening to Codish, hopefully they're also learning something um, or making some connection um, or, or it's inspiring some some train of or line of thought that they can uh, go down that helps them in some way. So like Jennifer said, it's it's like, I think, super important to not be obsessed with the metrics right away, but be super obsessed with the people. The, both kind of the guests and the listeners and and creating something that benefits them, helps them mm. in some way. David, was there anything that you uh, kind of thought would be worth sharing that you learned through this experience? Sure. Since most of my experience is more on the technical side, uh, I'll speak to that. If you are considering starting a podcast, do your research. Uh, listen to this podcast, listen to the many other podcasts that I'm sure exist on the same uh, kind of level as this one. Uh, read articles uh, about people who had done the same thing. Um, there are plenty of gotchas, but a lot of people have gone through them and documented them. So mm. you have answers to to almost all of these these issues that you could face. And uh, last but far from least, uh, Satoshi. Sure. So I never thought of myself doing any kind of internationalization or uh, translating the Kurdish, uh, original Kurdish to a Kurdish JP. It is more about starting from scratch. But it was uh, actually I, I've got a lot of help from the, my co- uh, colleagues, and then you know Jennifer, Charlie, Chris, David. You guys are really teacher for me, and thank you for that. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, my next goal is expanding this uh, to you know other countries as well like korea or you know the, the indonesia or even like uh, other countries who don't you know listen to the podcast in english uh, natively mm-hmm. and uh, they can just you know start doing this uh, and uh, i would like to be a uh, really a help for uh, i would like to help them uh, starting this codish uh, experiences from the scratch as well uh, so uh, you know, that uh, just to try not to be uh, uh, mimicking whatever that I'm doing. Uh, they can start doing that by themselves and then start enjoying it because podcast is really enjoyable. Well, thank you, everyone. Uh, it's been it's been a wild ride getting <laughs> getting to where we've gotten to with Kodish, and I 
I think I speak for everyone when I say that I'm thrilled with with what we've been able to achieve and I hope that people out there find some inspiration in some of these stories or some of these um, some of our experiences but uh, Jennifer Hooper David Routon Satoshi Nagano and Chris Castle thank you so much uh, for taking the time to chat alright thank you Charlie thank you Charlie thank you very much thank you Charlie thanks for joining us for this episode of Codus Podcast Codus is produced by Heroku the easiest way to deploy manage and scale your application in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of the Heroku podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts. 